Before we get into the particulars of uh, black existential thinkers in this course, I'd like to start off with a general lecture in order, in order to uh, orient our sensibilities in the course. And that opening lecture or, or sort of orientation is really just around the title of the course, Black Existentialism. That means understanding both what this term existentialism means, right, as a sensibility or an interpretive frame or a sort of conceptual scheme, and how we think about existentialism as, I think, a really important question, how we characterize it. Also, what it means to put black in front of it, right, what it means to think of existentialism in the black intellectual tradition, uh, both as a feature of particular thinkers in terms of their belonging to a movement, but also the way we can read and reread certain figures in order to draw out the existential dimensions of their work. So I'd like to start with the origins of the term existentialism and then start again start to talk about the modification of it with black. The origins of existentialism, the term, or the existentialist as a category of thinker and even a kind of persona, goes back to the uh, early 1940s. I believe Gabriel Marcel described the work of Jean-Paul Sartre as existential. And it's something that Sartre, unlike so many thinkers who then had the term, uh, you know, subsequently had the term existential uh, applied to them, uh, Sartre runs toward it and embraces it and elaborates it, most famously, of course, in his early lecture or a short book, long essay, however one uh, describes it, Existentialism as a Humanism, which was his particular interpretation both of the meaning of existentialism and uh, an articulation of his own uh, orientation as a thinker around freedom and responsibility. But the term comes about in that moment with Marcel and Sartre that is not insignificant in the sense that the early 1940s is a way of, uh, for me, of identifying the meaning of existentialism as a response to crisis. In that way, also, it's important that the term existentialist has been retroactively applied to thinkers uh, like Soren Kierkegaard, Friedrich Nietzsche, and Fyodor Dostoevsky, all three of whom were uh, witnesses to a certain kind of crisis in Europe and, and, and Russia, and, and to the extent that we think of, of Russia as part of Europe. But in terms of this 19th century moment, there is a, a crisis in that part of the world that all three thinkers give an existential response. Those crises also have other kinds of responses. Obviously, Karl Marx uh, later, I mean, it's much more the turn of the century, but, uh, you know, Sigmund Freud's work, you know, as, a, as responses to a crisis in the, the late 19th century, mid to late 19th century. But by the time Marcel coins the term, Europe had seen two world wars, you know, dozens of millions of people murdered, uh, you know, by bombings and trench warfare, genocide, um, to achieve basically nothing, right? To have moved to national borders, you know, a few miles at most. And I think it's important to think of existentialism as linked to moments of crisis, not because the only meaning of existentialism can be in, in relation to crisis, right? It can have an everyday meaning in terms of the mundaneity of life, 
but it's drawn in this moment of crisis where there's something about other kinds of approaches to questions of human meaning and purpose and significance where those other other uh, methods of articulating that meaning, a more analytical, a more visionary, a more utopian uh, sort of sensibility, it just seems inappropriate. And I say inappropriate, I mean, it might seem like a strange word to use to, to, to talk about moments of crisis like the end of World War II in Europe, but I think it's important that this, this sense of, of fittedness, you know, appropriate, inappropriate in that sense, the fittedness of historical mo modes of analysis in Europe you know, how well fitted is that to the kinds of crises uh, that the, the end of World War II might uh, bring to the fore, right? the capacity of, of the human person to uh, murder millions upon millions for no significant reason whatsoever. It's also a moment of enormous uh, uh, expansion of, of our understanding of the universe and our place in it, which is very small and insignificant, leading to all kinds of articulations of the absurd and, and motifs like that that come out of thinkers like Albert Camus. But if we think of existentialism as a response to or embedded in, I think embedded in rather resp than response to is, is the way I would want to put it, embedded in a sense of crisis, there's a sense of a new model of understanding both what the human person is and what the human person needs to understand both the moment and pivots to the future, as well as, I would say, the relationship of the present to the past. This is why, you know, Martin Heidegger, who rejected the term, is nevertheless an important figure in the existentialist movement precisely for, in being in time, his treatment of temporality, right, is to understand the present as extended or stretched into the past and the future, what he calls ecstatic time. And I think that notion of ecstatic time animates so much of what follows in both self-identified and, and intellectually described existentialist thinkers. What the existentialist movement does, and there's a, a number of iterations of it, uh, all, of, all of which deserve, I think, their own treatment, um, but I'm speaking here in broad terms to sort of orient the course material. I think what the, the existentialist sensibility does is locate the production of meaning or meaninglessness in our embodied presence to the world, to lived experience. So I'll start with the latter, lived experience. Lived experience is a term, I, I think it gets used a lot now to just talk about any kind of experience, right? Or personal narrative or even personal interpretations. But what the existentialist movement, and this is where they draw on, on the phenomenological movement which preceded existentialism. And so many existentialist thinkers, especially Sartre, think of themselves as existential phenomenologists, that there's a the link between those two terms. But the phenomenological movement had placed at its center this notion of lived experience. And what lived experience meant for phenomenology, Edmund Husserl, and certainly the early Martin Heidegger around the production of notions of ecstatic temporality and time, 
that that lived experience was a, a correction to an historical hubris that had come with rationalism and empiricism, this idea that one could construct meaning and significance from the realm of thought or that experience itself, um, you know, that, that there, there was a, a, a sort of nominalism, sort of particularism of, of, of sense data that then got constructed and unified by the mind. You know, somebody like David Hume and his notion of the, the imagination that gets uh, sublimated and reformed by Immanuel Kant and his critique of pure reason, but really all of which relies on the capacity of, of our cognition, right, of consciousness to organize something that doesn't have inherent meaning in it. And what phenomenology had tried to do and does, I think, quite effectively, is to relocate questions of meaning in our direct experience of the world, that there's something coherent about our experience as it is lived, not experience as an abstraction, but experience as this immersed presence in the world. And our immersed, uh, immersive presence in the world has patterns of meaning that then we call thought, but that thought and that reckoning and that rational sort of a or analytical representation of the meaning of the world is drawn in the end, largely if not wholly, from the elements that are already embedded in lived experience. This changes so much about philosophy, and that's a, for another conversation, right? A, a course on phenomenology, and I think phenomenology and, and yeah, sort of black phenomenology would be a really interesting companion course to black existentialism, really reading many of the same thinkers and maybe using much of the same language. But I think what is important for me about the existential turn, and this is an existential turn that, that is especially important for the Black Atlantic thinkers we discuss in the course, is that the existential turn, and this is especially, I think, Simone de Beauvoir uh, and Maurice Merleau-Ponty, to the extent that he's an existential thinker, is a turn toward the body as the sort of existential carrier of lived experience. That is, I think there's a lot in Sartre about you know, the gaze and recognition and misrecognition and so forth that tends towards elements of the disembodied. Now, there are the readings of Sartre that is, you know, a reading of his work as fully embodied, and I'm not really interested in, in taking a position on Sartre's work. But what Merleau-Ponty and Beauvoir really point out, or what they really do in their work, is to take our embodied presence to the world seriously and say that we are not just uh, 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 neutered or neutral vessels of experience or capsules of lived experience, but instead we come to the world in our presence in the world as embodied and that that embodiment might both alter and differentiate forms of, of lived experience and its coherent meaning but also that in that embodied presence to the world, we have a different kind of relationship to history and politics. That is, it's not for Merleau-Ponty, uh, and I, I think here this is again a, a sort of gesturing towards this turn in the black existential uh, 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 iteration of existentialism, um, that 
you know, Merleau-Ponty, I think, still leaves the body as a general category. That Beauvoir, and this is her innovation and why I think in some ways she she remains a, a, a central uh, interlocutor for black existentialism, at least at the conceptual level. You know, in terms of intellectual history, that's another question. But in terms of the conceptual, Beauvoir is such, a, such a, an important interlocutor because it's the gendered body, right? Not the body in general, but the gendered body and its presence to the world that produces meaning that in something like the second sex, or even elements of ethics of ambiguity, both of Bo- both Beauvoir works, uh, gives that sense of embodied lived experience a, a, a historical and political sensibility. That is, you know, just to put it plainly, that the gendered body is a fundamentally different experience. Not that women have a gendered body experience, but that after Beauvoir, one can look back at somebody like Merleau-Ponty or Jean-Paul Sartre, and say that that articulation, their articulation of um, their articulation of embodied presence to the world, doesn't take that historical and political character seriously enough. I think, in terms of Sartre's work, this is certainly true in some cases. We'll talk uh, later in the semester about Black Orpheus, his preface to uh, a collection of negritude poets and poems um, because in there he takes the whiteness of his own body and his uh, European reader, right, his white reader seriously, right, where he talks about like what it is even just to be an embodied reader, right, which is a lived experience, embodied reader of these anti-colonial negritude poets where he says, you know, what did you think they would say to us? Did you think that they would come thankful and and happy or angry and full of rebellion, right? And um, there he's he's throwing his lot in with the revolutionary, right? But not simply as an ideological claim or 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 solidarity, but also because I think he he there takes maybe a lesson from Beauvoir, but certainly for me deepens his own thinking about existential embodiment there as a reader of poetry. And we'll see that when we get to Black Orpheus, but I think it's worth sort of bookmarking early on and saying, like, while Sartre and Merleau-Ponty, you know, don't have the kind of craft and subtlety around articulating embodiment and lived experience that Beauvoir has, Sartre at least really learns that lesson around race and understands his own whiteness in relationship, which is an embodied relationship that's political, um, that's historical, his own embodied relationship to the act of reading negritude poets, right, who are articulating a revolutionary form of blackness. So when Beauvoir makes that move to, to understand embodiment as having an historical and political bearing on it, Right, she's not only talking about, you know, my body or any of our bodies, and the way history and politics are written on it. It is certainly taking account of that, but just as much, it's to understand that the embodiment of the world, that the materiality of the world to which we are present and with which we are entwined, in this lived experience, that the sort of embody the body of the world is historical and political. And once we understand the historical and the political between bodies, 
right? And that lived experience is taking place in that embodied presence to an embodied world, to a material world, to a fleshy world, and that there's like a clashing and entwining there that makes lived experience possible. That there we understand that there cannot be an articulation of existentialism or existential themes or experiences without taking into account really robustly the history and politics of both the embodied actor, right, the embodied subject, and the, the, the structure of the world to which they are present. So for me, when we start to think about the presence to the, presence to the world in this register, as absolutely saturated with history and politics. Questions of race, questions of gender, question of geography, right, nation, a historical moment, a social structure, cultural formation, all of these things become not just interesting themes in an existential trajectory, but formative of the very meaning of the term existential. So the term existential cannot be separated from the place of lived experience. And when we emplace, right, when we understand the place of lived experience, we understand the embodiment of the actor, of the subject, and the specificity of the embodiment of the embodiment of the world to us and its history and politics, so that we will get a very different existentialism from two white thinkers, in the case of, of Beauvoir and Sartre, because they, they come to that experience in a gendered difference, but also that the difference between, say, uh, uh, Fanon and Richard Wright is going to be in a difference that is connected to the differences between uh, the colonized Caribbean island or colonial Algeria and the the racial democracy and um, uh, anti-black or you know necropolitical structure of race in the United States. That these are very different ways that the body, the the world is embodied to us, and therefore the way one's embodied presence to the world is going to be articulated in that clash or that entwining. So for me, one of the things that's so promising about existentialism is exactly that it takes presence to the world so seriously. In Beauvoir, certainly becomes that, I think, in Sartre's work increasingly, whereas at the beginning, I think his work tends to be a little bit more uh, broad and, and universal, right? That is naive to questions of race and gender and geography and so forth. But that critique that Sartre maybe applies to himself or maybe that he learns from Beauvoir, is built into the very structure of existentialism. That is, the critique was inevitable, right? That it didn't have to simply come from another thinker who he respects or learned from, but is anyone who seriously takes lived experience and embodiment seriously has to take into account history and politics and the massive differentiation of existentialism and how we think about existentialism in light of that, because that's a, a, a massive change in terms of, of, of what terms we would use to describe existentialism. In that way, the, the question of blackness is absolutely critical 
to the question of existentialism, that one cannot just say existentialism, period. But what, uh, one of the things, I, I mean, I think this is true of any intellectual inquiry, but you know, just to stick with existentialism, we absolutely have to put qualifiers on the question of existentialism because of its orientation as a movement toward embodied presence to an embodied world. That materiality and the way it's saturated or infused with history and politics means that those qualifiers always have to be there, both in this case in the title of a course, but also in terms of how we discuss themes. For me, this is why actually existentialism is a promising movement, right? Why I think it has enduring significance. I don't particularly describe my own work or my own sensibilities as existential, except insofar as everyone who exists in the world is an existentialist. I mean, that, that you know, we are all embodied presence to a, to a, to a fleshy world. So that, that, that relationship we have, right, is, is a fact. And that facticity is what makes existentialism simply a description of the everyday, right? But the everyday not generalized, but instead particularized and increasingly, I think, uh, microscopic in its detail when done rigorously. So this term then, black existentialism, for me, is uh, on the one hand, a syllabus descriptor. The thinkers that we talk about across the semester, with the exception of Jean-Paul Sartre, are uh, black thinkers. So in that way, you know, I mean, we'll never see it with, with courses like ethics or politics or existentialism that deal with only white thinkers. No one would ever say white existentialism, white political theory, although I always argue that they should. If that's how you teach and that's what you write, you need to call it white existentialism. And if you think that that's a form of, you know, is associated negatively with uh, uh, white supremacy, well, I think it's important to just ask, like, how am I reproducing white supremacist um, sensibilities, right, or values when I construct these kinds of syllabi where I think, like, what existentialism is and what it means is entirely and plainly white thinkers. Same with political theory, ethics, and so forth. But that aside, right, which is uh, both polemical but for me also analytical, right, that, that uh you know, one has to just be honest with the kinds of thinkers we're talking about. But the black and black existentialism is, is not simply a syllabus point, and in the end, not importantly, not even, uh, uh, you know, that's not my ultimate goal in the, the titling of the course, to just distinguish the kinds of thinkers we'll talk about. But instead to say, because we are talking about black thinkers, what we are going to become aware of across the course is how the experience of black embodiment, which it will also be regional and, and, and gender uh, specified as we go, the way um, embodied, that, that sustained engagement with embodied presence to the world and the political and, and um, historical dimensions of, that, of the material world, the way that event of racialization forms the kinds of experiences and therefore the kinds of critical concepts that are generated from lived experience. That's the existential movement, to generate critical concepts and the constellation 
of concepts that 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 reckon with uh, the meaning or meaninglessness of human life the way those critical concepts in that constellation are generated from lived experience and lived experience is embodied and if lived experience is embodied it's embodied uh, in terms of the history and politics of the body and the history and politics of the world to which i am present and with which i am entwined in moments of lived experience so the critical concepts that arise for black thinkers who are working in the context of this lived experience and its capacity to generate critical concepts, it can't be a generalized conception of, you know, this is what it is to be human. Instead, it's, you know, and this, is, this will be, for me, it's sort of final comment here, but a guiding thread in the course is not to have a definitive articulation of blackness, black subjectivity, uh, black relationality, black lived experience. I mean, there may be elements of that, but rather to understand the proliferation of differences, even inside that notion of black lived experience. But it's attentiveness to the structure of black lived experience as embodied and the world as embodied. That's the existential dimension. And that for me is where we can start to get real depth around what it means, and this is the philosopher in me, real depth in terms of what we mean when we talk about blackness and what we talk about the black experience, right? That that will, will have to be specified in terms of all of these, these, these regional, gendered, class, etc. kind of moments, right? The geographic dimension of, of both the globe and the body, right? If we think of sort of, you know, questions of race, gender, sexuality, and so forth as sort of geographies of the body, that we always have to attend to those, but we don't have to attend to those because there's a moral imperative from the outside, right? And there is a moral imperative from the outside to consider questions of, you know, race, gender, class, sexuality, uh, etc. Absolutely, I, I think that. But that's not really what we're doing when we talk about black existentialism and the kinds of things it has to attend to. It's not an imperative from the outside. It's an imperative that comes from within or inside the structure of lived experience, the structure of my embodied presence to a world that is also embodied. And again, to say it for the hundredth time, the infusion of both my body and the embodiment of the world in its presence to me it's infusion with history and politics. Out of that, we get a richness of vocabulary, we get a richness of critical concepts, and we get a rich sense of what it means to be in the world, what it means to be a subject enmeshed in a world, which in the case of the text that we're reading across this course, to be enmeshed in a world that doesn't want you that doesn't recognize you, that tries to produce pathologies, and those pathologies require so much resistance. You know, what is a human person in that context with those pressures, with those kinds of bearings from inside the body, inside the world, inside exper lived experience? That's what black existentialism explores. Not because, again, there's an imperative to think seriously about blackness, but because the very idea of existentialism, if we use it as a way of both reading, 
and as an identifying feature of certain thinkers. So it's not just, you know, that Fanon is an existentialist and says as much, but also that we can read somebody like next uh, lecture piece, uh, W.B. Du Bois as an existentialist, because what we're doing there as a reading of a, of a text as existential or understanding a text to be a contribution to existential descriptions, what we are really doing there is getting inside the fleshiness of lived experience and race and gender, etc., in order to understand why it's important to specify detail and have nuanced different nuanced and different descriptions uh, that come uh, and are, are become critical concepts, right? Even just that word blackness, like how does that arise in lived experience? That's a critical concept. That's an existential question. And for me, these are the roots of thinking. This is the roots of critical theory. This is the roots of understanding what it means to be a human being enmeshed in the world and entwined in history and politics. <laughs>